Welcome to the Two Dudes Ballet Company. Please, as you take your seat, take note of the program. The artistic expression of the dancers here do not reflect the views of their directors. If you have children, they are encouraged to leave. In fact, I would say more than encouraged to leave. And now, our production of Two Dudes, One Double Feature. Welcome! Welcome everyone to Two Dudes, One Double Feature, the show in which two dudes talk two films, and that is about it. I am Dude One Richard. Dude Two Joe. How is Dude Two Joe? I know it's a, I say that every single time after the intro, but I'm always curious. I, I, don't want, I don't want you to think it's a routine. I do. I am genuinely curious how things are. I'm fine. I, I, honestly, which is funny because we barely talked yesterday. So I was like, <laughs> when is Richard going to check in on me? So I'm like, okay, you know what? It's nice to have, have to record today. That way you have to ask me how I'm doing. So <laughs> there is that. Well, you know, sometimes I need to get away from you. So, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm Don't kidding. worry. The feeling's mutual. <laughs> no! Oh! Oh! <laughs> Oh, <laughs> hurtful. I would never say anything like that. <laughs> oh, my God. But but in all seriousness, um, I, I am glad that you're doing fine. I've been playing uh, Ghost of Tsushima because I, I, I feel like I took like an unintentional hiatus from the game. Mm-hmm. And then I was looking through my Criterion shelf and I saw my... My Blu-ray copy of uh, of Zatoichi, The Blind Swordsman, and I'm like, man, I need to get back to playing Ghost of Tsushima. And I've been, I finished the main story, and I've been just been collecting a lot of stuff. I just got the, I got the Sly Cooper trophy. Yes, where you look like Sly Cooper, and I also got like the, uh, it's all in the wrist with like the uh, the showdowns. Yes, I, I like the maximum like kills with the showdowns or whatever. Um, I love that game. Definitely highly recommend it. But other than that, um, I watched, I've been watching some Abbott and Costello movies. I love their movie, Abbott and Costello Meet Frankenstein. It's one of my all-time favorite movies. And I got the Blu-ray from Shout Factory. And I've been re-watching some of these movies because, fun, fun fact, the first thing I ever bought with a paycheck that I got from work was actually the DVD box set 
of the Abbott and Costello movies from like a while ago. And that had all of their movies they did with Universal, which I think is like 28 movies. And so basically Shout put out a Blu-ray version of that with some new bonus features. So I watched Buck Privates, which other than the Andrew Sisters and uh, Abbott and Costello, which they're in the New Jersey Hall of Fame, hell yeah. Woo! And uh, outside of those things, um, it's just like a, you know, it's like a typical, like almost feels like a propaganda thing I know, I know it was like you know during world war ii and things like that whatever but it's like it makes it kind of dated but the andrew sisters are great bud bud and lou are great and i also watched hold that ghost which has some gags that were eventually put into abbott costello me frankenstein like with the candles if i'm not mistaken and all that stuff um and it was funny because i had to share it with you because we mentioned we mentioned soup in a lot of our movies or soup we plays do. a big component yeah and there's a whole scene where in hold that ghost where he's trying to convince this guy to get the soup and the guy's like i, I don't like soup well somebody's gotta have the soup <laughs> i remember that <laughs> uh so and, and just like my review of that movie is just luke costello being scared of things will never not be funny it is just <laughs> always funny. He's always just like, Chuck! Because like, that's Bud's character's name in that movie. And then in like, Abbott can tell me Frank is he goes, Chuck! <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. Oh, man. It's real funny. But how are, how have you been? Um, I've, you know what? I've been solid. You know, I, I've, I've talked about it before. Just kind of like being, you know, just, just up. You know, sometimes I'm up, sometimes I'm down, but right now I'm just kind of like, I'm just in the middle. Just like, I'm cool. I'm chill, which is nice. I bet I'm kind of at this point where I'm, I'm kind of struggling to figure out what I want to watch because there's just like, I feel like I've kind of went through all the big things that I've wanted to, that I've wanted to watch or like have held off on watching. Now I'm just like finding random movies that maybe I'm not as familiar with. Like I watched, uh, I watched. Um, this was actually uh, came about. This actually came about because um, John, our great uh, composer, Mr. John Armstrong, um, thought that uh, one of the movies that we were talking about uh, in the last episode was *The Witches of Eastwick*. And I realized I've never seen that movie, and I love George Miller, and I love um, Michelle Pfeiffer and Jack Nicholson and Susan Sarandon. I'm not as familiar with Cher as an actor, but hey there she is so i i finally decided to sit down and watch it that movie's wild man have you seen it the witches of eastwick no i've never seen it never seen it it's so it's so good like it's not inherently like witch like it's not like hocus pocus or the witches where the characters like share michelle pfeiffer and susan sarandon are clearly witches but they're very witch-like, and there's a lot of, like, witchcraft stuff involved in the story. And Jack Nicholson, I swear to you, if he had never played the Joker, that would be his craziest performance I've ever seen from him. <laughs> like, he's he's absolute maniac in the movie. It's so fun, but it's so weird, and I don't want to spoil anything, because I really do want you to watch this. Um, I also watched The Goonies recently, which I've seen... I've only ever really seen, like, a good chunk of it, but I haven't, like, sat down and watched the whole thing, and it was pretty good, though. I think, like, the stuff with the kids, especially, is so, like, on top of each other and so, like, like sporadic. 
Like, there's always something, and it makes sense because that's kind of kids. Is this like kids are always just like, you know, talking over each other, and there's like a lot, there's like a lot of, there's like a lot happening. So, admittedly, watching it, I'm like, there's just so much happening in this one. Like, it's it gets a little bit overwhelming just with like you got you know Corey Feldman and Sean Astin, Josh Brolin, and everybody just like talking over each other. But it was a fun time. Uh, watching that, uh, yeah. Um, like I said, I'm I'm struggling to find more things to watch, so I'm just trying to like find random stuff that maybe I hadn't really. I'm not as familiar with, so. Yeah, I'm glad that John uh, inspired you to check that out. John is an inspiring dude, honestly. Like he's, if you listen, if in case anyone listening to this episode has not watched or not pardon me, um, listened to the last episode. The intermission is one of my favorite intermissions. I mean, on one hand, because it's like a narrative, it's like a little radio drama that he just like randomly did. Yeah, no, that was, uh, that was a lot of fun, uh, listening to that really, really well done. And if it weren't for the present presence of us, I would have thought that was professionally done. <laughs> You're not wrong. <laughs> John, we love you. John, we love you so much. No, I really, I, um, but just the fact that he said that and even listening to the music really got me in the mood to wanting to watch more like witch related things. So I watched the Witches of Eastwick. I might watch more. I don't know. Cause you know, it is, it is, tis the season, you know, to watch. I'm to watch more witch type stuff, so definitely check that out, folks. You know, I know usually we ask what people that submit things at the end, but like, folks, if you have any like great witch movies that you want Richard to watch, just let us know. He will <laughs> watch it. He's uh, contractually <laughs> obligated to do so. I am contractually obligated to do a lot of things. Sadly, <laughs> I have no life. Well, we're not contractually obligated to say this next bit of news, but this is, you know, just some uh, some entertainment and, like, touristy news. So, Disney, you know, I, I mean, everything's been hurt by this pandemic. Every, just about everything, yeah. except for, you know, a handful of billionaires and stuff. But, like, almost so many industries have been impacted, but especially, like, theme parks and tourist destinations and... It was just uh, put out there that Disney has to cut 28,000 jobs. They have to cut 28,000 uh, jobs, uh, I think, between their California and Florida parks. Um, I don't know exactly what the breakdown is, but I, it, th th I've i been hearing about layoffs in other sectors of Disney for the last couple of months. Like, one of the hotels uh, just cut, like, almost... Like, uh, they cut over 1,100 people in their staff... And it, it's because, it, like, the attendance has been very low, you know, which makes sense given, like, travel restrictions and people just g in general feeling anxious about all of this. So I just wanted to take a moment to talk, but I don't want to dwell on this too much. But I want to say to the 28,000 people who ha who worked at Disney uh, and as somebody who went to the who's been to going to Disney parks their whole life, I just want to say thank you for everything that you did to make my trip as as awesome my trips as awesome as they have been over the years and um the and just to say to folks who are going to disney now probably shouldn't be but if you're going now don't give the cast members there a hard time i mean that just goes with any sort of like service you know they're they're trying to do their best and 
they they, they need they need to work and they're they just they just want to live you know and they just want to they don't want to cause any problems so just just keep that in mind you also got to remember going back to work especially in a it's bad to say but like in a non-essential type job scenario especially if it's something that they love to do like you know it's 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 them trying to capture some sense of normalcy back as well Mm -hmm. to like kind of have that like daily routine going and the last thing they need is to have to deal with unruly guests and people that just you know can't comprehend certain procedures that have to be taken into into account because the world is currently in a crisis and so like you're saying yeah people seriously be kind to to these types of workers because they're like they're putting themselves in danger they're putting themselves in jeopardy it's like i was saying a while ago about the you know movie theater workers when theaters were starting to open back up it's just you know these people you know don't need your you know for lack of a better term your bullshit so um and i also just want to put out too i forget what the name of like the 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 charity thing is but the, i think there's like a cast member pantry thing that's going around um i'll try to post a link to that at some point in um in the episode in in, in the link in the description or on our pages but we're not sponsored by them or anything obviously it's just you know it's just something we care about it is something we just care about ultimately yeah but continuing on the on the bad news train Cineworld who is, you know, they own and operate Regal and Regal's like the second largest theater chain, if I'm not mistaken, in the U S yeah. And Cineworld's also, I think the, the largest theater chain in the UK, they announced their, the closures of all of their U S and, uh, U S and UK theaters of Regal. There's no final decision yet, or they were considering it. There's, there were so many things have been posted. So I apologize if it sounds scrambled, but it was like so many like, like okay, we we're, we're considering this and we're gonna do this in such a short amount of time. But there are so many theaters that will be lost as a result of this. You know, you take over. I'm just trying to it's, find the words. It's no, dude. It's it's unprecedented. It's honestly, you know, this is like a continuing saga. We talked about this whole movie theater situation for you know a few episodes now and it just continues to be bad news bears and it's it's tough to really like think about all this because just just from a from a more selfish point of view like you know and just a you know just an enjoyment kind of thing like the movie theater is an amazing experience there's no denying that just you know going to the theater watching a brand new movie or even an old movie um, you know, finding a good seat, you know, I always like to sit in the middle, you know, if, if whenever, if the seats aren't taken, you know, just get that nice, like perfect distance between that screen and you, and you have some kind of snack. Yeah. It's overpriced, but you know, it's just part of the experience. Plus the snacks is what pays the employees. So mm-hmm. there's no denying that it's an incredible experience. And if there's one business that's going to be hurt because of everything going on, it's the movie theater and an incredible experience. And if there's one business that's really going to be hurt because of everything happening, it's it's the movie theater. And it's it's genuinely hard to hear about stuff like this. But at the same time, you know, I still don't feel comfortable going into a movie theater and seeing a movie. And I know some people are a bit different on that. And it really just depends on who you are. But it's like you're saying, yeah, it's hard to really find the words to 
express both the the fear but also the dread and the, and the sadness of of everything that's been going on with movie theaters whether it's the big chains or even like you know imagine like small businesses and everything they have to go through you know if if this is the end of the movie theater which i don't know if that is going to be the case i i doubt it'll be but then again a lot of things this year especially um that we didn't think would happen have happened so it's and uh, it's really hard to comprehend how things are going to play out but if this is the end of the movie theater it's going to be a really it's going to suck yeah and already i mean th- there has been record box office like last year but the attendance itself, like the amount of people going to the movies, was already going down anyway. Yeah. You know, which seems strange to people when they hear, like, Avengers Endgame grossed $2.8 billion or whatever, or this movie grossed a billion dollars or whatever. But, no, it's just like the attendance has been going down, you know, even before this whole whole pandemic. Um, but, ultimately, our, our thoughts are, are with, you know, the employees whose, whose jobs are ultimately affected by this it it, it's just like a it's a terrible situation too because you know you could make the argument that being open they're losing more money than they would be yes than they than would be if they were closed Mm -hmm. because they have to pay people you know you have to get supplies in and all you know all the food and the equipment and all that operating It, it it's just a awful just awful situation and i i hate it and it's I'm just thinking about it like it's so strange because people thought Tenet was going to bring back everything and it's not it's not doing anything as far as anything major that most people will care about we're not going to get anything till December yeah if that stays because I mean you got to like a lot of why this decision was even made was because a big major you know release moved to next year literally like literally more than a year late like more than a year after this whole pandemic started it's it's crazy to think that James Bond was wasn't that supposed to come out in April? It was supposed to come out in April, and it's so weird with all the movies coming out because you see the toys come out. Like Godzilla vs Kong was supposed to come out this year, it's not. And I see the toy, I see the the toys at Walmart. You know what? Let's let's move on to some like more lighthearted stuff because that, all that stuff as 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 important as it is to mention, it is nice to like kind of talk about some like I guess you could say in this instance, strange coincidences. Yeah. Because, you know, we talk about movies, uh, you know, struggling to be released. A lot of the movies that are coming out are coming out in some new digital, like, streaming way. You know, like, we talked about Mulan and Disney kind of experimenting with that. Warner Brothers, in a similar fashion, has decided to experiment with one of their own movies. Which is not, I don't imagine, would have been as nearly as big as Mulan. But they're still going to try it anyways. Uh, the Witches was uh, one of the movies we talked about in the last podcast, and we mentioned that it was getting a new movie, and we had no new information for the longest time. Like, we just knew it was Robert Zemeckis, and a few other people were involved. We had, like, a title card, and that was it. Literally, the day we upload the last episode, we get a poster, we get a trailer, and we're told that it's being released on... HBO Max on October 22nd, and I shared all of it. <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh, the timing couldn't have been better. Yeah, that was incredibly strange when you sent me all of that. I'm like, what reality are we living? This is, it was so wacky. So, 
wacky to, to hear about this news. But what did you think of the trailer, though? Um, I'm happy that it's not animated. <laughs> I know I t- kind of like briefly mentioned I, I I do not want it to be animated, but on that note, it looks it looks interesting. I love the cast. You know, Stanley Tucci, Octavia Spencer, even Anne Hathaway, um, I think are good choices for their roles. I like that it doesn't seem to be entirely like the original movie. Like it's going to be more like another adaptation, which is nice. So it's like kind of its own thing. I'm just curious to see how it plays out. You know, I, I there's a lot of talented people involved in the project, so I think I, I'm hoping that it turns out good, but we'll see. Yeah, I was wa- I watched the trailer. I think the best part for me was Stanley Tucci. Oh yeah, honestly, it just feels like a perfect casting choice for that role. I mean, everybody, I love Octavia Spencer, I love Anne Hathaway and stuff, but it was like Stanley Tucci <laughs> just in that in that role. <laughs> so Stanley Stanley Tucci now has to make a joke. I am not the best. Uh... hotel manager (laughs) similar to john oliver doing i'm not the best zazu yes i just showed my brother that we were laughing our (laughs) asses off (laughs) the uh the the best zazu Uh, watching the trailer okay and i think this will i think it'll do fine on streaming like you know when you talk about like movies like bird box where i don't think that that would have been a big phenomenon in theaters but because it was put on netflix and everybody talked about it and they could just watch it at home. It became a huge, huge thing. I think the witches could have something similar. I don't want to say similar, but I think it could be a big deal. But it was, it did, when I watched the trailer, it did feel like something that would go to a streaming service. A little bit. Yeah. Not to say, not to discredit the work of the people that are involved in the project or anything that like that, but it just, I don't know what it was. It was, and I, this was before I knew it was going to come to HBO max. I was like, okay, this looks all right. All right. Oh, HBO max. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, there you go. Maybe, maybe if we had some kind of inkling that it was getting a theatrical, like if we got that trailer before, like things were starting to get bad, then maybe, um, but I think even then we probably would have still been like, you know, maybe it, it looks like it would have worked better, but now that it's just instantly going to HBO max, um, and now it just, you can't like, I agree. It just, you can't not look at it like that. But anyway, um, we've talked, I feel like we've talked enough about all this other stuff <laughs> today is episode two of the Halloween series of double features that we're doing, which is really exciting. Um, and today we're getting a little bit more R-rated. Actually, we're getting very R-rated. And uh, we're talking about these kind of doppelganger, like, evil twin kind of movies. I like to think I'm Joey's evil twin to some degree, if we're if, <laughs> between the two dudes. Yeah, I can see that. I was like, you can't not disagree with that. Come on. <laughs> 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 oh, man. But our very first doppelganger horror type movie is, of course, the 2010 Darren Aronofsky film, Black Swan. See, I just know that music as, like, the opening music to Dracula and the original Mummy. You know what? I didn't even think of that. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, holy crap, you're right. Oh man, because I I just knew that it was isn't it isn't that the the music from Swan Lake? Yes, it is. It is. Yeah, because I don't know anything about Swan Lake. I just know about this movie. I was gonna say like, look, I'm not I'm not saying I'm any sort of like ballet expert, but you don't strike me as a ballet aficionado. No, 
But I, I respect uh, ballet dancers. I just don't watch a lot of ballet. <laughs> yeah, definitely you got to respect the craft of ballet. But away from that, Black Swan was a 2010 Darren Aronofsky, Natalie Portman stars in this movie. She's, you know, ballet dancer and they're going to do Swan Lake. Oh my goodness, I know you're so shocked that they're going to do Swan Lake in this movie titled Black Swan. What? And she's going to play, like, the, the, the Swan Queen, Swan Princess, whatever. Mm. You know, the Dancing Queen. You are the Swan Prince. No, just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> and she has to, you know, it's sort of like a dual role that she has to take on. There's the White Swan, and then there's the Black Swan, of course. She nails the... She's really good at the White Swan, but the Black, Black Swan... She might not be r- correct for that choice or that part. She's she's a bit because um, she's she's a very uh, she's a perfectionist, you know. She's a but she's also very like sheltered and naive, and she she's very much um, I guess good hearted based on like the standards. Like she's she's a good girl. I guess is the best way. It sounds creepy to say that, but it's true. So of course she struggles with this. Then of course there's another dancer in the company played by Mila Kunis, and her name's Lily. And Lily is rambunctious. She's wild. She she she's carefree. She'll she'll do drugs on on a whim, but she'll also be like, "Hey, you want some?" You know, she's 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 a wild card, and of course, she's perfect for the Black Swan. And she becomes uh Nina. Did we say that was her name? I don't think we said I, I neglected to say her name. I think like Nina. Nina. So um, Nina is, uh, starts to get a little jealous. She starts to get a little um, scared that Lily might take her roles because this is the coveted, this is the, the swan queen, the swan princess role or whatever of Swan Lake. And I guess you could say she starts losing her ever-loving mind <laughs> as the movie plays out. Oh my goodness, yeah. Oh, very, uh, very like psychological movie she's oof oh man it's so stressful watching this one yeah don't watch this in 2020 (laughs) it's just you're like good lord the stomach ulcers i have now this is the (laughs) second time i've watched this in 2020 (laughs) and it's me too (laughs) oh my god why did we do this to ourselves for you guys for the listeners that's why and we like the movie but still uh but black swan i mean like very much like there's like the psychological component, you know, of this movie where she she's like thinking things are happening that might not necessarily be happening. She's doing things where she thinks she's doing one thing, but it's actually something could be something else. And then but there's also like a, a weird, strange element of like it's not like body horror, like the thing is body horror or the the fly is body horror. It's very specific type of gore. Like, very specific type of violence that is very personal violence and very personalized, uh, like, gore. And it's something that isn't necessarily, like, outlandish. Like, we see, like, you mentioned the thing, like, you know, with, you know, body, like, like ribs cracking open and just, like, something coming out. Or, like, body metamorphosis, like, in American Werewolf in London, where it's like this. It's like, oh, it gets me every single time when she has, like, a weird, like, like scratch or, like, wound on her finger and then starts peeling back Ooh. the skin and it's just so it's so effective but it's so awful and it's a lot of stuff like that throughout the movie that's just 
oh it's so it's so effective but it's so like insanely like gross and i hate it yeah there's there's a lot of stuff like that in this movie i i want to talk about a little bit of the cast in this i i think this is a very well cast movie oh for sure the main people which of course natalie portman natalie portman won an oscar she did for this for her performance in this and i look watching it again you know she definitely deserved it i mean just everything she has to sort of put herself through and some of sometimes where she has to act a certain way and it's so it's so believable it's oh it is yeah like especially the the scene i'm thinking about like you know there's some of the more intense stuff like the black swan and all that but like i was thinking back to where her mom's like sort of like being a mom basically she's like mommy you know and and it's like the like the it's just a great performance. Uh, Mila Kunis is excellent in this in this film. I would say it's probably my favorite performance from her as well, from Mila Kunis in in uh, per, most any of her movies. No, yeah, she's very good. Uh, I could have, is it Vincent Ca- Cassell? I think it's Vincent Vincent Cassiel. I think is his name. Cassiel, Frenchman. Okay. Or in this, in the case of this movie, uh, Walking Me Too Crisis. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> good lord. Basically, I mean, he's. He's like a like a almost like a sort of Svengali type of character in this. And the other thing I was thinking about with this movie throughout this movie too was uh, the 1948 movie The Red Shoes, which is not our second movie, but uh, it, they're very similar in that they're both films about about a really like talented young ballet dancer, and there's this an older man figure like Casile, and like there is in the in the Red Shoes as well, but also you know. With the the red shoes, there there's there's focus on on other elements, you know, having a home life versus, you know, being dedicated to the stage. Whereas this is, you know, there's a lot more sexual things going on with this movie, mm-hmm. um, which I know you're very excited. To talk about. <laughs> Listen, after last time, it's more like, oh god. <laughs> <laughs> fun fun fact, just a like a quick anecdote for you guys, so. I'm sure I've talked about this before, but in case you don't remember, um, in our Shape of Water episode, um, you know, because in the Shape of Water, sex is a massive element of, like, the the themes and the narrative and everything. And so um, there were were certain things that I I felt I needed to address, and I wanted to address it in a very um, uh, adult manner, in, in a very mature manner, and use, like, actual terms and, uh, yeah, it didn't go over incredibly. Like I thought I was I thought I was doing pretty well, but then like there were certain things that we disagreed on. So it was one of the few times during the podcast where I think we've actually like genuinely butted heads a little bit. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I would say so. <laughs> <laughs> so so now just like sex is a massive thing in Black Swan. God damn it. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it it, it is a uh, it, it is a big deal. Like you said, Vincent Casile is basically a walking me too. <laughs> he really is one of my favorite like we like little scenes is where she she really wants to get the role she she goes through his office looking very pretty and she's like no i he's like no i gave the role to veronica and she goes okay and she and she's about to leave and he she, he closes the door he's like wait wait that that's it that's it <laughs> you're like right when that happens you're like oh god i forgot about this <laughs> jesus he's oh my like it's interesting like i think the movie plays a little bit differently now not like not to say that none of that kind of stuff ever happened 
prior to that movie coming out but like having that movie after like the whole like the me too everything and everything with that um like you watch it and you go it feels it almost feels like the movie takes a different meaning a little bit at least with that stuff and that you know it just feels almost too real now it it, it definitely um it's definitely more i mean it was definitely one of a noticeable part before but it's definitely more you know more noted now than it was um 10 wow was it 2010 this came out right 10 years ago my god even like looking at winona Ryder's character which i always forget winona Ryder's in this movie guys <laughs> oh yeah i was just thinking about like, that. winona Ryder's in this movie what and she's good um but like you can clearly see like vincent Casile is a poisonous like his character is a very poisonous character and he's clearly affected Winona Ryder's character to the point where she becomes suicidal and like wants to just end everything because he just like threw her away like you know like yesterday's trash like one of my like it's not one of, it's it's one of the like more crucial scenes that I that I look for now is um uh he used to, he constantly would call Winona Ryder's character little princess like it's like a cute little you know, nickname for her. And at one point, Mila Kunis says, um, you're going to, he's going to call you, he's going to start calling you that long before you realize it. And then at the, at the very end of the movie, when she's on the mattress after she fell off, after she did her stunt and she's bleeding out, he looks at her and he calls her, uh, little, my little princess. And you're like, what a dick. I hate him. <laughs> I hate him so much. God. But you know what's weird to think about with this movie, talking about like Winona Ryder, mm. is that like I think Natalie Portman now is, I think I think now she's a, around the same age or a little older than what Winona Ryder was when she was making Black Swan. So it's like if they did a remake of Black Swan now, Natalie Portman could be the <laughs> Winona Ryder character. Oh my God, Darren Aronofsky's gonna make a sequel. God, and that's one of those weird things with it's a weird thing with like women in movies like you know they're, they're young they're, they're, i mean like with like age and stuff because i think about Anne hathaway in the witches right this is actually perfect that Anne hathaway in the witches comes up and you think about like Anne hathaway isn't like an exceptionally old person or anything like that no she she still looks the same. She still looks like, but she's playing a witch. But she's playing a witch, you know. And it's like that, almost like that cliche where it's like, where if you're like a middle aged woman in Hollywood, up oh, time to play witches now. And, and it's just like, <laughs> I don't know. It was just one of those weird things I was thinking about because I think also think about Stranger Things. Like she plays a mom yes. on Stranger Things, you know. And it, it's just Hollywood is weird. Hollywood is a interesting, Hollywood is so weird. Interesting place. <laughs> I mean, interesting in, 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 like, both good and bad, but sometimes more bad. The good, the bad, and the, and the very, very weird. Exactly. Um, but no, Winona Ryder is great in this movie. I, I, like, again, um, the reason why we I, I hate Vincent Cassiel so much as well is because he's so good. I was thinking about this, too. When has... I don't think I've ever seen a movie with Vincent Cassiel in it where I like him and his character. Because, like, he's always a dick. I'm, I'm looking up his, like... <laughs> his, like his, his, like, filmography. I'm if there's anything that I've seen where I'm like, okay, he's a decent guy. Because all I can think of is, like, maybe Underwater. But I never think about that movie all that much because it's not an amazing movie, per se. But, you know, Eastern Promises, uh, Westworld, even that... We were talking about that um, Beauty and the Beast 
remake that he was in where he plays the beast like even then at like at the start at least he's kind of a dick mm-hmm. but maybe he's just really good at playing assholes you know what can i tell you a fun fact about him according to wikipedia sure he does the voice of diego in the ice age movies for the french language versions <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing my life is better knowing that fact now. You know what? I appreciate you sharing that with me. Now I gotta. Now I like him. <laughs> now I just. Uh, now I want to buy the Ice Age movies and just listen to the French audio track and just be like, this <laughs> is Just like, all right, I can get behind this. <laughs> oh man, but I. You know what else I love about this movie too? The cinematography. Oh yeah, is is beautiful. Like when they're when they're film. I mean, in all sorts of scenes. But like, I was thinking back to like. When you film something like that's like on the stage, you have to be very, I think you have to be very careful just not to look like you're shooting a stage production. Yeah. You know, and you might have to do different things like going back to the red shoes. Um, I think the actress who was in the red shoes was a ballet dancer, but her dance moves had to be very different from typical ballet. You know, when you watch her in the movie, because the way sound stages are and the way they were trying to do sequences and whatnot, but I, I really. I really did feel like I, in many sequences, I did believe that Natalie Portman was doing ballet, but also that there was this psychological war going on inside of her head as well. Like one of my the most beautiful shots in the movies after she's do, like spinning around is like the black swan, and she has her wings. Yes, and the wings like she d- almost takes like a like does this pose with like the light coming out. It's so good. Oh yes. Oh yes. One thing, like Darren Aronofsky, one thing he likes to do in his movies, he does he does a lot of handheld uh, filming, and he always likes to like follow the uh, the the main character. Like he did that in um he did that a lot in the Wrestler, which I guess he considers kind of a companion piece to Black Swan. Um, but like just like the kind of handheld nature of it, like sometimes handheld could be like a detriment a little bit. Like I think of. Um, Tom Hooper and a, and a lot of his movies where he like randomly does handheld shots and it's like it doesn't make sense like why you're doing that but I feel like the handheld shots especially with Aronofsky and pl- especially because he has that kind of indie director background a little bit mm-hmm. um, really kind of adds to like like the kind of tension and like the 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 sense of urgency especially like you know when we're following the characters they're always speed walking right and so i i i completely agree that the movie like the just the way the movie is shot is excellent and, and just like on another note too this movie cost 13 million dollars to produce and it made whew, it made over 330 million worldwide and of course all like the oscar nominations and oscar win for natalie portman in this film um, and I think it was a, it was a, I think it was an important film for Natalie Portman too, because she was in the Star Wars prequels and I feel like outside of, I feel like outside of Leon the Professional and, and there's probably other things that she's done where I think people have taken her, might've taken her seriously, but I feel like this was the movie where people were like, oh my gosh, Natalie Portman. No, I, I, I agree. I, I think... For me, I think it kind of started with V for Vendetta. Oh, yeah, I, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I really like her in V for Vendetta. I think in, with that film especially, she really kind of showed a different side. It has a kind of a similar character arc in that one because she starts off very, like, you know, following the rules, very much like trying to do, like, the best. Then she uh, meets V 
and she has that kind of whole character arc where she like shaves her head you know for the longest time like she had a bald head but she looked great and she was tough and so i think i think that was the movie for me where i was really like you know she's someone to look out for and then black swan came out and i was like like wow that everybody was able to appreciate her after that because that was like a huge like mainstream yeah thing you know because i remember people talking about oh did you see black swan natalie portman so oh did you see black swan but you're right the v for vendetta is excellent i think it's just on a side note i think it's just one of the best like it's a great example of how to do an adaptation of something and not have it be the exact same thing. Yes, I agree. On that note, speaking of going to see Black Swan, fun fact, I actually saw, and this might be weird, but I actually saw Black Swan for the first time with my parents. <laughs> oh, same. Same. Uh, it's so weird, isn't it? <laughs> it's so weird. <laughs> oh man and, and it's what it was at the time where i could have got i could have gone in by myself but like my mom wanted to see like the best picture nominees and we didn't know about like the you know uh uh mila kunis and natalie portman getting it on the the, the that one scene the scene that every everybody talked about too that was like outside of like natalie portman being so good that was like the other thing people talked about was that scene with mila kunis <laughs> Listen, as a as a single 20-year-old at the time, I loved that scene. <laughs> it's, I'm sorry to say, but it's true. I'm being honest. Um, am I wrong? <laughs> no, I mean, it, it, it was great. It was great. <laughs> but, but you know what the crazy thing is now? I, I look at that scene and I think of it more as like kind of like that's the scene where she finally gets all consumed by the darkness, I think. Like that, like with that particular moment is, you know, where she finally decides to give in to the dark side, AKA Lily and, um, decides to, uh, you know, be a little bit more reckless and what, and it also leads to my favorite exchange in the entire movie. <laughs> the ones, the one time I actually like had a giggle in this otherwise stressful movie where, um, Natalie Portman goes up to her, like when they're on stage or like rehearsing or whatever and she's like we need to talk about last night she's like what do you mean like you know when you came over she's like i didn't go over to your house unless my name was uh tom or whatever and i have a penis and she and she's and she's like but what are you saying we and she's like did you have a lesbian fantasy about me she's like no she's like you fantasized about me and she's like shut up she's like was i good <laughs> <laughs> i just i love that that was her response like was i good so that was that just made me laugh and that that was um yeah that was that was really that was really a good um good exchange <laughs> of dialogue but i i think this movie the movie ha- handles that stuff very well as far as like the the dual like the dual the doppelganger the other personality it does you know that going from going from a more naive perspective into a more adult more more uh sexual realm you know and as far as just like somebody i i, I as somebody who does like appreciate the arts it's always interesting to see to see some of that behind the scenes stuff you know obviously you were alluding to earlier it's very difficult i mean a lot of positions are very difficult but like being a ballet dancer it's a lot harder than it looks it's oh my god like that's probably some of the most like intense moments it's like and it's and it's not even like played up like it's not like dramatized or anything it's straight 
it's straightforward like the scenes when she's like scoring the bottom of her ballet slippers or like she's modifying it a certain way so she can like get a better lift and while at the in the process damaging her feet break like there's that bit where she breaks her like big toenail in half and it's like oh yeah so like it's just the carnage of that scene or like um you know seeing uh like that one doctor or whatever like sh- like having her fingers under her rib cage to like check her breathing and everything and even just like just the fact that ballet dancers go on their tip the tips of their toes is insane enough to me the fact that you know you've gained enough strength and enough um grace to do something like that is just it blows my mind and i like while i don't watch ballet i will never to anyone that thinks a tutu is like unmasculine or untough or unstrong screw you <laughs> seriously i mean listen like i always hear like the thing like like football players they do they do some ballet especially like wide wide receivers you know and like i look at some some like the way catches happen in the nfl and they have like they're on their toes trying to stay in in bounds you know is it's like yeah that that make ballet is crucial in those learn your ballet education anyway is very crucial uh in those moments but i think we both agree this is really a fabulous movie i was worried this wasn't going to hold up because it was a big oscar movie like people forget about that with this movie it's best picture best director best actress of course mm-hmm. everybody talked about like oh my god natalie portman but it really holds up i think it holds up a lot better than I was expecting it to be. It holds up, and it also, um, because the way things have like changed, and because the way the world is um, ten years later, it it, f- it feels a little bit different, but it feels more impactful in certain uh, areas. Um, and it is crazy to think that, like, this is. I was talking to you about this earlier, and I actually saw an article that Hollywood Reporter posted about this. This is one of six movies, only six movies. In the horror or horror-like genre to actually be nominated for Best Picture. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, that's crazy to me. That more... Like, I feel like... as and Maybe just because I'm a horror fan and I would like to see more horror films represented. But, you know, it's it sucks that it's only that many. And only one of them won. So, like, you have um, Black Swan, The Exorcist, Get Out, Sixth Sense... And um, Sounds of the Lambs, Sounds of the Lambs, Jaws. Um, if you want to count Jaws, but um, no, Sounds of the Lambs is the only one that actually won Best Picture. So like, I more horror needs to be represented. Invisible Man, Invisible Man, twenty twenty. Let's not forget too. That, I mean, the fact that uh, everybody always says Oscars so white and like usually old white men, and you know, there's like a scene with two ladies having. You know, having fun, which is something that doesn't always happen. No, in Best Picture nominees, like, and that this was, and it's weird to say, ten years ago. So it's like, it's like, oh wow, yeah. It it's it's kind of like, um, did you ever did you ever see that um documentary about the MPAA? Yes. Um, uh, this film's not yet. This film's not yet rated. Yeah, there's a really great uh, moment where they're talking to the director of Boys Don't Cry. And um, there was a big struggle with the MPAA because there's a scene where they show um, a woman um, moaning in you know in pleasure during a sex scene, and they had a huge issue with it. It's like you know, like they're let it, they're like because normally you don't like they focus more on the men, in, in most of those kind of scenes, like you think of like the that uh, cringeworthy Watchmen sex scene where it focuses mostly on uh, a. <laughs> 
Patrick Wilson. But, um, you know, I think of something like that and the fact that, you know, a movie like, granted, you know, it is two women in the scene, but even so, you know, a lot of a lot of the scene is hung up on Natalie Portman as, as it should be because the movie is not almost entirely from her perspective. If not, I think it is entirely from her perspective. And so to have a to have a scene like that in a movie that would end up becoming like an award darling essentially is is pretty crazy well with that said that was this was our discussion of darren aronofsky's black swan we're going to take a quick quick break but in the meantime you can listen to our intermission segment two dudes one bad night and after that our second film stay tuned Move your feet. Let's go. Come on, get in the car. This is me moving fast. You're like casually strolling. If I was going any faster, I might slip on these slippery steps. Ah! Watch that step. Ow, my leg! He who takes steps three at a time breaks his spine. Thank you, Uncle Thaddeus, for this wonderful cathedral. It was pretty nice of him, wasn't it? I don't know what we're going to do with it. Maybe you turn it into a disco. Ooh, that would be fun. Just start the car. Come on. Why do you have so much mail in your front seat? It's all fan mail from that guy, Brian from Idaho. <sighs> mm, so glad we're gone. Alright, seriously, who is even Uncle Thaddeus? Why are we even here? Well, I never actually heard about him until I got a letter from Aunt Brianetta, who I've also never heard about, telling me Uncle Thaddeus kicked the bucket and left me this cathedral. I figured I shouldn't ask any questions. What do you mean you don't know who your uncle is? Oh my gosh. You know, sometimes when things aren't going like I planned, I like to list the things I'm thankful for. Uncle Thaddeus, Aunt Brianetta, our friendship, the cathedral, and this car that works like a dream. Uh-oh. Please tell me the car is not breaking down right now. We are not breaking down right now. Nope. No. Well, we're at the highway. Let's flag down a kindly motorist. <clears throat> I think I'm gonna get sick, man. Give me one umbrella, please. Whoa, dude. If you're getting sick, stay far away from me. I have to stay healthy to take care of Uncle Thad's cathedral. <clears throat> hey, that Idaho potato truck appears to be stopping. Oh, hey! Over here! Something potato this way Oh my god. Oh, thank god. Hey, boys. <laughs> Sir, thank you so much for stopping. We're, it's raining, it's horrible, our car broke down. Thank you so much. Well, I can tell you one thing, I'm no murderer. You need a ride to town? Well, I'd take a couple of dudes like you into town. Seems legit. Goodly Potato Peddler, what is thy name? My name's Bri... Bieber. Justin. Justin Bieber, that's right. Dude. What are the chances that we got picked up by four-time Nickelodeon Kids' Choice Award winner Justin Bieber? I would trust even my cathedral in Justin's hands. Let's get in. I can take you to town, yes siree, but uh, I've only got one passenger seat, so one of you dudes is going to have to ride in the back with the body. Potatoes. Well, I need room for my umbrellas to dry out. Richard, I have no choice. I hope you're comfortable back there. Seriously? <sighs> okay. Ugh. Dude, I think your potatoes have gone bad. Ugh, Some, something is rotting back here. Oh, Idaho potatoes. 
Oh god. Oh gee. Oh I think your door's unlatched. Hold crap! Dude! Dude! I think you lost some potatoes! Oh boy, oh boy, how about that? How about you just hop on out there and pick that up for me, okay? What why do I have to get it? I would consider it an honor to retrieve Justin's potatoes for him. Okay, fine, whatever. Just Oh god, this stinks. Police, drop the bag and get on the ground, potato boy. Yes, ma'am. Drop it like it's a hot potato. Yes, sir. Oh uh, yeah. Nailed it. Good one, rookie. Thank you. Thank you so much, Officer Allison. Now notice when we pulled up, I immediately produced my firearm and proceeded to fire my weapon into the air to make my presence known. Gosh, I I'm so sorry, Officer Allison. Don't worry, Rookie. Just watch me and you'll get the hang of it. I'm Lieutenant Allison and this is Trainee Drew. Officers, look at her when she's talking to you. Carry on, officer. Now, boys, what's going on here that made you illegally park mm -hmm. under this bridge? Yes. This, no, I'm just, this is not my truck. He's giving us a ride. And what's in that large potato sack? Mm -hmm. Officers, I see that uh, I see that we're about to have a little misunderstanding. Now I know my potatoes look a little weird. Idaho potatoes. They do. I know they look like bodies. But you know what? Sir, this is definitely a body that's been murdered. Yes. Oh God, I had a dead body. Appearances can be yeah. misleading. These are potatoes. State your name. Justin Bieber reporting for duty. <laughs> Justin Bieber? Gosh. Four-time Nickelodeon's Kids Choice Awards winner. I'm familiar. Now, Rookie, take note. Because this is a celebrity, he is above any suspicion. Sir, I I'm sorry I can't let you leave. Without signing my Justin Bieber underpants... I'm here to save the day. Joey, come here. Come to the side of the road. That fourth kid's choice award puts him in the clear for sure. Take note of this freshly murdered body. Yes. What do you think this guy's deal is? I like to think I'm a pretty good judge of character. This is probably a big old misunderstanding. It's American treasure Justin Bieber, after all. This guy is sketchy, man. Listen, I think we need to break for it to the woods, alright? Are you with me? We'll be on three. See? Look, he's helping the officers secure their badges to their uniforms. Joey, I don't think he's fixing anything. He's stabbing them! Oh. Oh, crap. <laughs> oh, crap. Ha! Oh, crap. Run! <laughs> oh. Back here. Back here. Joey, over here. It's okay. Sorry. Come on! Come on! Calm down now. You guys wanna know why I killed those officers? Because <laughs> five's a crowd. <laughs> Just us three. The three musketeers. <laughs> Are you eating a granola bar right now? I got hungry from running joking. for my life. We're gonna Put be it away! Where'd you even get? Did you steal that from my pocket? Look. Dude, me. he looks like he's me calmed me down now. Let's together. hug it out, and we can all laugh about it at my cathedral. Listen, I don't want to argue with you, because the more frustrated I get with you, the louder I'm going to get, and the more he's going to hear us, and he's going to catch us, and he's going to stab us in the necks. Maybe the groins. He looks like a groin stabber. Get down, you fool. I'm telling you, if he catches us, it won't just be one smelly bag of potatoes in his truck.
back welcome back to two dudes one double feature in our last segment we talked about black swan but before we get into the next film how cool is this little narrative thing that we're doing like that's just fun it's fun (laughs) it is I'm, i'm excited that we're doing it and i hope you guys enjoyed it now moving on to our next kind of doppelganger film we're going to talk about a movie that came out last year and a movie I am so excited to talk about because you've never seen this movie. And as you know, I always get excited to show you a movie. So next we're talking about the 2019 Jordan Peele directed film, Us. Uh, you know, when we, we first suggested that, um, I thought you were saying we were going to watch the entirety of the NBC drama series, This Is Us. And I was uh, both vastly disappointed, but also pleasantly surprised. <laughs> I didn't know you were a big fan. I, I didn't watch either. Uh, well, I watched Us, but I haven't seen This Is Us yet. So at least I got 50% of my goals out of the way. You got you got something. That's all that matters. Yeah, We got to stay optimistic these days. Yeah, I, 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 I got to take what I can get, I suppose. Uh, but yeah, so Us. Not Us, but the movie Us. Um, which stars Lupita Nyong'o, Winston Duke, um, Elizabeth Moss. Elizabeth Moss is back um, on Two Dudes, One Double Feature. And uh, Tim Heidecker from the uh, most confusing Tim and Eric show. <laughs> oh, man. And, um, yeah, I want to hear I want to hear more about your thoughts on this because, again, I'm just excited to hear what you have to say. Well, I'm going to like preface this by, by saying uh, I was a huge fan of Get Out. I didn't see Get Out in theaters, and obviously I didn't see Us in theaters. I don't typically see horror movies in theaters. I wait till they come out, you know? Um, like, I, I can only... There's probably like a handful that I've seen in theaters, but as far... Like, Get Out, I thought was spectacular. You know, like, just like thinking, thinking, oh my goodness, like, like you know, you know, Peel from Key and Peel did this yeah and it was uh really just a phenomenal phenomenal movie and i I rewatched it a while ago but like it really it really holds up and it was definitely a movie of our time um and then this this movie i I, it looked interesting you know the trailers it looked interesting i'm like all right i'm sure because it's jordan peele it'll be it'll be certainly something to watch but then it came out and it got really good like critical reviews uh but as far as i felt like there was like a more mixed reception from the average folk and like even to the point where i looked up the imdb rating and it was like a 6.9 which really surprised me that it was that and like the first highlighted review was a review that gave it like five out of ten stars not to say i was like oh my gosh you know that's going to be my thoughts on the movie but i was like okay this is this is interesting because whenever you have like a movie where like the critics really like it and then the audience feels maybe a different way it's an interesting, um, interesting dynamic, but it is this movie. Um, it's definitely something I, I, it's something I will admit I need to see again with any movie, especially a movie with, with Jordan Peele involved. Cause I'm sure there's so many layers and things that I missed. Oh yeah. And there's a lot of questions, but I really enjoyed it. This, this was a, a really good movie. It's so nice to hear. <laughs> I was gonna say I will ask this: of all the movies that I've showed you for this show, where do you where do you put this one? Like, where would you rank it? <sighs> well, well, I think what what is the worst thing that you've shown me so far? I guess 
technically the weakest was uh, Mars Attacks, but okay. that wasn't that bad. It was fine. It was a fine, fine movie. This is probably one of the better things um, that you've shown me. I win on this show. <laughs> it might be. It might be the best thing you've shown me so far. I think I'm getting better, guys. I'm getting better. <laughs> But for, before before I say anything though, like Lupita Nyong'o is everything. Like oh she is God. the reason to see this movie. I, I'd say more so than anybody else in this. Yeah, movie. I mean everybody else is great and, and stuff, but like she is top notch. When you watch this movie, if you don't if you don't wonder why she's not like the headliner of more movies, I question you because she's so not a, not even just because she plays like essentially two roles. But because in both of those roles, she is pitch freaking perfect. Whether it's um, the the mom character who's very like, you know, like she's fun, but she's also very like protective, like like maybe a little bit more protective than most people. Um, but when she plays like the tethered version of of herself, like she's creepy, but like graceful in a weird way, and kind of like. Um, like almost Edward Scissorhands, like if Edward Scissorhands was scarier, <laughs> like significantly scarier. Yeah. Um, and uh, oh man, it's she's so she's so good. Why was she not nominated for this role? I don't. I know she won an Oscar already, but she deserves another one. Where is it? You know, sometimes I mean, this doesn't. It, there's there's never like a a rhyme or reason. Sometimes, but like with with this movie, I feel like it came out. It came out in March, so like. For it to be nominated in the next awards cycle, you would have people to have to remember all the way back to March. Whereas I feel like if this was released like September, October, she would have been in the conversation a bit more. No, you're not. You're not wrong. Sadly, it's kind of like it makes me think of like when Zodiac came out. Did you ever see that Zodiac? I've never seen Zodiac. No, it's a really good movie, and I think it deserved a lot of awards attention. But because it came out in like January or February, it didn't get nothing. Yeah, that's the tricky thing. I mean, sometimes things get like nominations when they're when they're put out in those times. But typically, when you have a movie like Black Swan's release date in the U.S. was December. It came out in December of of that year, and even the awards, like for the awards circuit, it was like September when it was premiered at Venice. So. You know, like it, a lot of these Oscar stuff, you really have to strategically place where your movie goes. It's not necessarily always necessarily about like the quality of your movie or the quality of your performance. It's okay. When when do what people remember? When, what do people remember? Right? Yeah. And I think there there were people like talking about like I uh, think about uh, a Star Is Born where like I thought it was a good movie and you know it got a lot awards attention, but like I felt like in comparison to some of the other titles, it was maybe a little too early in the award season. So like the only thing it picked up was best song, which deservedly so, but you know, it, it means yeah. people kind of forgot about other things. They're like, Oh yeah, Bradley Cooper directed this or, Oh yeah, Bradley Cooper sang his songs. <laughs> I'm on the deep end. And he made you believe that he was Sam Elliott's uh, half brother, but that's besides the point. I, I mean I mean I'm still struggling with that, but <laughs> no, <I'm kidding. laughs> like uh, maybe 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 that should have been the tagline. You will believe that Rocky Raccoon is related to Sam Elliott. <laughs> Listen, I would have I would have saw it in theaters <laughs> if that was the guy. Like, yeah, 
going right to the theater for this one. Yeah, that. So uh, enough about the award stuff. So this movie, obviously, we're ta- we're talking about doppelgangers with this, and in a weird, in a weird way, it's like it's both, it's both more literal with the doppelganger because there is literally another person like that, that like there's literally a person there yeah you know like when i because i didn't see this in theater so and i didn't i i was not spoiled for this at all which really shocks me i tried to i tried to stay completely quiet and i i appreciate that but like i was not spoiled for this so i thought like okay maybe the, the doppelganger thing is a is a little less like it's maybe they're not really there and it's like no they're like i hate to spoil like they are flesh and blood people you know that's the that that's the crazy thing but at the same time with their usage in the movie it's a lot more it's mo- a lot more symbolic and you know it goes into jordan peele and his interest as a screenwriter and all that and yada 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 you know i one thing i mentioned this before when we were talking about like pairing these movies um you know there's so many movies out there that deal with this kind of doppelganger kind of you know, two sides of the same coin kind of conversation to, you know, Black Swan being one of them, movies like The Double, which Black Swan was inspired by, and The Double being a direct adaptation of uh, the book, speaking specifically of the book um, on that note, or um, spoiler alert on this one, but uh, Fight Club is very much in that ballpark, or even even like Birdman is kind of like that. Oh, sorry. I, I wish I shushed you earlier. Sorry. <laughs> Um, that movie. That movie. I was gonna say. I, I'm talking about Birdman now. You missed it. <laughs> <laughs> I. I you know. What? I blame our internet connections. That's what it was. Yeah. But you know, uh, point is, a lot of a lot of those movies deal with the doppelganger thing. Like we we're saying, like very metaphorically, very serious. Kind of the light side and the dark side of like the same person, and you know, people, especially with movies like Fight Club. Sorry. Or um, Black Swan, how they deal with um, like someone who's kind of bland or like a certain way, like tapping into a completely different version of themselves. Um, and while any of those movies would have been great to pair with Black Swan, because we've had Black Swan paired with a few other movies in the past uh, before we actually decided to talk about it, I thought Us personally was a really good choice because it dealt with the same theme in an incredibly different way. And, and using, um, first off, like you were saying, like someone who is flesh and blood um, being like the, the, the doppelganger, like the opposite, and really like going for it. So it's not just like, oh, you know, this is Lapita Nyong'o's like, you know, split personality or like, oh, she, it's, it's actually another person. But the way that they incorporate it, this is a really cool thing. So a lot of the, 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 the doppelgangers in the film are called the tethered. And they're like shadows, basically. And what do shadows do? Um, against their will, they have to do every single thing that we do. So, like, I'm looking at my shadow right now, just from the light in my room, and everything that I do, it does as well. And so, to really play on that concept, the tethered are these, like, underground dwellers that look just like the people on the surface, and yet the difference being they have no soul, and they can't do anything for themselves. So the whole premise of the movie is um, the tether, uh, the Lupita Nyong'o's tethered, uh, breaks breaks away from the underground area, and decides to take back some portion of her own life, and be something to be someone, and hell, why not be Lupita, the surface Lupita Nyong'o? 
I mean, just take her, just take her life. Why not? Why does she deserve it? I'm the one that's had to follow her for so long. So it's a really cool premise. It's a really cool way that they utilize the doppelganger like theme and story aspect of it. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree with that. And one of the other, the big things with this, like we talked about get out before you can't talk about Jordan Peele without talking about get out. You can't. And I feel like get out was in some ways was a lot more literal and a lot more, I don't want to say in your face, but like it, it was a lot more like, okay, you can clearly tell what you could tell what Jordan Peele is going for. Yes. This, I feel like it, it is a, a bit more subtle and a bit more, it, it's, it, it it's it's one of those cases where I definitely like I said I definitely need to rewatch this, um you know I I really want to see it again and that's I think that's the best thing you can say about a movie is, or one of the best things is if you really enjoyed it but you're like I need to see it again just to like mm-hmm. fully you know grasp what the, what the hell the director is trying to say. I just remember like you're when the movie initially came out and you know friends of mine would be coming up to me going so listen I'm trying to watch us and I don't get it. <laughs> and i'm like i'm like okay you know it's understandable it's kind of a more symbolically driven movie and they're like but seriously what's it about <laughs> i'm like you know it's, did you did you watch the whole thing i'm trying <laughs> so it's but i think at least from my perspective and from my interactions with people ultimately i do find a lot of people enjoy it um as they're going through it and and not try to look at it like a like the follow-up to get out but like its own thing you know what i mean because i feel like because get out was almost like like it's amazing and then to have us come out and then maybe just be a little bit different and because i think jordan peele even said that people struggled to call get out a horror movie because they thought oh jordan peele it has to be a comedy and so the movie comes out and it's so different it's like it's spook it's scary at times and uh, even, but even then, people are like, "Huh?" So for us, he's just like, "Screw it! I'm gonna go straight up full on horror movie," which I find funny because I feel like there were more moments in Get Out where I was just like, "Oh my god, don't do that! Don't do that!" I was like yelling at the screen more at, at Get Out, but with this one, I felt like it was it was a lot funnier. Yeah, and there were a lot more moments of just like silliness um you know especially like oh you got like winston duke having craw daddy and and the boat (laughs) and all those scenes we need to get a like a uh we need to get the stuff that our neighbors that our friends have and all all of that stuff you know but i've also seen people argue too that us is sort of an inverse of get out okay in, in certain in certain respects and i you know not to get into that too deeply because i really want to rewatch both get out and us but yeah, I felt like this was a, a, a sillier movie. It was a, it was a funnier movie than Get Out in certain respects. Like, of course, yeah, no, yeah, it's a, it's a lot more outlandish. Like you, like um, you uh, you compared it to a Twilight Zone episode, which is perfect. Not even just because Jordan Peele's involved with the new version, but also because Jordan Peele himself, like I believe, outright called it like a Twilight Zone episode in a way. <laughs> Oh, for sure. Like ever, like it, it just feels like a Twilight Zone movie expanded out to like feature length, you know. Mm-hmm. And it works. It works out pretty well, pretty well for the most part. It really does. But like you were saying, there's so much that's happening in the movie, and like there's little things. There's actually, um, I know I watched a YouTube video. I don't remember it, but I'll have to, I'll have to share it with you actually. 
but um, it kind of opens your eyes a little bit to like, because there's so many little differences and little details that you notice um, as it plays out, and um, like just just one little thing that that I that you notice in the movie is, you know, at, at the beginning of the movie it's set in 1986, and um, the 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 like uh, Hall of Mirrors area that the little kid enters in at the beginning of the movie is um you know kind of cultural appropriation it's kind of you know a little it's a little bit racist essentially um and then um you look at it you look at it um from the present day perspective and it's changed it's little it's little details like that that are just kind of like peppered throughout the movie the amount of times that two or like similarities or parallels uh, shows up in the movie like the scissors the fact that they use scissors in the movie and the scissors um the way that they're designed are almost like perfectly because you think of scissors sometimes you have those like weird ones where like one half is bigger than the other half when you're holding it just to like have a better grip on it but like the scissors in this movie are like literally almost perfectly parallel and um the fact that you know the the kind of opposite family like the fa- like the one family has twins and you you see a lot of like shirts or different like images that people wear on their shirts showing up like we saw a black flag shirt twice in the movie or we saw you know just a few little things here and there or there's there's just so much like nuance and so many different like little uh sim- symbolic moments and easter eggs that happen throughout the movie that I've I've been able to catch uh, through watching it a few more times. One of my favorite little like Easter eggs is like sort of when they're on the boat and Winston Duke is sort of like fighting his his doppelganger and you see like the uh, the light like the life preserver like the life tube and it kind of pops up and it makes you think of like the barrels and jaws and what does the kid wear in the movie? A Jaws shirt. Yeah, I like I like that. But there's again like there's so much happening in the movie. And it's, it's, I still haven't found everything, honestly. It's not like Akira, whereas with Akira, uh, you know, there's still some things I just don't understand because (laughs) there's so much happens in the movie. Akira really had way too much going on. It did. Akira had, I, I like it, but it had way too much going on. Whereas this movie, I feel like, I feel like, yeah, there's a lot of layers and stuff, but I think it's able to like fit it well yes. while not distracting from the narrative and, and, you know, the characters, you know, I, cause I do admittedly though, it does leave a lot of people with questions like why hands across America, for example, or why, you know, why are they all wearing red or what's, you know, what is, what is the correlation? Like what is, what is Jordan Peele trying to say? And clearly he's saying something He's just having more fun with it. Mm -hmm. Whereas like with something like Get Out, I think you needed it to be a little bit more clear so people truly understand what he's trying to say because it's an important thing. Not to say what in us he's trying to say isn't as important, but with us, he's he's able to have more fun with it. Yeah, for sure. You want to talk about the use of music in this movie? Please. First off, I think the the score in the movie is, is really good. I really like the score quite a bit, and also like the song choices that are used throughout the movie. There's obviously the classic uh, uh, "I Got Five on It," which is kind of the theme song of the movie. I just remember when, like that song, was first heard in that movie. A lot of people just like downloaded it. I know I did. I had it on my phone. I listened was, to it. Was that in the trailer? I think so. I think it was. Because I remember, I remember people talking about it like in the trailer even before it came out. So. Yeah, because, like, it's really cool um, because it starts off just like it's a song they're listening to in the car, 
and then they're listening to it again after uh, some crazy stuff happens and then one of the coolest bits of music and like the scoring is they incorporate it into the score and it's like it's just played off like super creepy and horrific and intense it's it's so good Mm -hmm. then of course there's the the scene in the uh tim heidecker and and elizabeth moss's family where they're playing good vibrations yeah (laughs) (laughs) and oh my god and then so like they're playing good vibrations then uh you know stuff happens again i'm trying not to spoil the movie for people that haven't seen it but stuff happens and then um elizabeth moss is struggling to have like it's 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 alexa but they don't call it alexa what what do they call it i forget ophelia ophelia and um so she's like ophelia call the police and (laughs) she's like certainly playing fuck the police by nwa (laughs) and uh then it just goes into the song and uh is great. This is also interesting too. Uh, this movie was very was uh, really successful on a budget of twenty million dollars, earned over two hundred fifty five million worldwide, and I believe it was like, if I'm not mistaken, it was the biggest opening for an original horror movie, or at least one of the biggest ones for an original one, like not a sequel, not based off of something like mm-hmm. it was like seventy something million for you know. Heck yeah! I mean, I mean, look at Jordan Peele's career. I mean. Like obviously he's always been successful, but after after doing horror, now he's like producing and he's like a host of a show. Speaking of that, if you haven't watched Lovecraft Country, which he produces with J.J. Abrams on HBO, watch it. Like I'm not even. It's so good. It's it kind of deals. It deals with a lot of like um, uh, themes and and um, different things uh, like us. Uh, you know racism and and everything but it's also like it's kind it kind of plays with genre a lot and um there's the episodes are just wild it's another one of those things i don't want to spoil because i really want i especially want you to watch it joey but um listeners if you haven't watched it watch lovecraft country it's so good i definitely want to um check that one out at some point with with both of these movies i didn't think about it when we were first picking these two movies out but these movies are both both led by both led by women. Yeah. Like they're both like the the central the central performer um is a woman and it really is is these are really like just fantastic um fantastic uh performances by them. Uh, well, I think pretty well written and directed. Oh my god, so good. So good. So so good. You know, and like you said it does they do like the doppelganger thing a little differently in in each of them so it's it's quite interesting one of the interesting because you know we're talking about like parallels especially with us you know the like there's a lot of things about both these movies that sort of parallel each other and and one of those is especially the fact that they're very much led by these two incredible performances from these two incredible actors and Honestly, like I've said before, I think Lapita Nyong'o needs to be headlining more movies. And I will say, speaking of uh, the women in these movies, uh, we kind of like we kind of slightly mentioned this when we were watching uh, Us. If there's one woman of any uh, of any one of any actor that I think could perfectly play the Joker, it's Elizabeth Moss. Yes. Oh my God, she's so wonderfully creepy in this movie. She's very good. I mean, she's very good in everything, but like, she's so good 
in this. I was watching this. And I'm just like, man, just 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 have her as as the Joker. That would be <laughs> so much fun. It's so good. I obviously that the uh, the shot when she's like carving uh, onto her face with the scissors is just iconic. I think I love. I just I love the 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 whole like. Again, I know we mentioned doppelgangers a lot, but that's kind of what we're talking about. But I love the way that these two movies handle that particular subject and especially handle it in like a different way. Especially it works too because, listen, the podcast you're listening to right now has two dudes. One of, one of the dudes is clearly the evil clone of the other dude, let's be honest. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I could, I could do the whole like, you know, like we just mirror each other thing. But I'm just like doing an evil face, just like, <laughs> yeah. I, I feel like we'd be so uncoordinated. Try to do like a reverse like mirror thing. <laughs> we, we'd be terrible. Just, just like, we're trying. No, move it this way. <laughs> what are you doing? Uh, after watching these movies, I'm really glad that we we decided to pair us with uh, Black Swan, and I'm glad that I finally got to watch us. And I'm glad that it intrigued you enough to to want to watch it again, like actively. I imagine. As opposed to just going, I need to see this. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> More like, there's, there's some. I want to see this. There's some stuff happening here. Kind of the same, but different, differently said. Oh, but I, I, I did want to, um, I did want to say this. I didn't get. To, I don't know if I said it in the uh, Black Swan part, but it, I felt like Black Swan was the the second time we got to acknowledge the existence of Sebastian Stan. So, Sebastian Stan, <sighs> you're acknowledged. Listen, at the, at the very least, we do that. <laughs> at the very least we're like sebastian stan there you go it's kind of like the brian of idaho movies where it's like oh he's there there you go yeah well at least i can get some enjoyment out of sebastian stan though Ooh. <laughs> yeah listen i he had one friend amongst these dudes and he squandered it so i was like i'm full-on allison is the number one fan for sure no question yeah, that's probably pretty accurate. But folks, what are some of your favorite doppelganger movies? Do you prefer Get Out or do you like um, Us? Or, you know, which one do you like more? You know, whatever, all that stuff. Uh, agree, disagree, let us know in our social media. Thank you, as always, for listening. And uh, we'll see you guys next week. Have a good night, everyone. Thank you for listening to Two Dudes, One Double Feature. Please follow... <coughs> oh, God. How oh, has she do that for a whole movie? Oh, my, I'm kidding. I'm so light. I'm lightheaded right now. Um, anyway, uh, please follow us. Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. John and Kenny Armstrong did great music. My, oh, God. My chest hurts now. Mm. Uh, hint. Yeah, that's right. A hint for next week's double feature. Two movies where people die in car accidents and become ghosts and ghost antics ensue. Stay tuned. Oh, good lord. <laughs>